Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to another episode of Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Keith Poston. As you know, each show we focus on a central topic. This week, it's school finances across North Carolina. The Public School Forum has been tracking local school finances for more than 20 years, and the trend lines are clear. Our poorest counties continue to fall further behind our wealthier counties in terms of resources available to their local schools. Today, we're going to explore what it means and what we can do to address it. Before we tackle each show's main topic, we open with a segment we call Headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. The state released its annual turnover report for North Carolina teachers this week, and at first glance, it sounded like great news. The rate for North Carolina teachers leaving their current jobs, which had reached 14.8% last year, was down to just above 9% this past year. But if that sounds too good to be true, it is. The state, at the request of various stakeholders, including the governor's office and the General Assembly, requested changes to this year's report to no longer count teachers who left to teach in another school, whether it was a traditional school or a charter school. If you calculate based on the historical formula, the turnover rate was 13.4%, not 9%. The report did show that just over 800 teachers left to teach in another state this past year. Those were counted. After three difficult weeks following the historic flooding from Hurricane Matthew, all Robinson County students returned to school on Monday. It was the last school system to resume classes. In addition to damage to school buildings, Robinson County had to overcome transportation issues. Even this week, more than 80 roads in that county are still damaged and shelters are still open and serving food to families. The water at nine schools in Robinson County was not usable until last week. We're going to take a closer look at how the hurricane affected our public schools next week and the heroic job our school leaders did to get them ready for students. Judge Howard Manning has officially stepped aside from the landmark Leandro school funding case he has overseen since 1997. Judge Howdy, as he's known to his many friends, is recovering from some health issues this past year and has been unable to return. Retired Superior Court Judge David Lee has been assigned to oversee it now by Chief Justice Mark Martin. We all should owe a debt of gratitude to Judge Manning for his tireless efforts on behalf of the children of North Carolina to ensure that every child, regardless of where they live, has the kind of educational opportunity they deserve. And finally, more great news about student achievement here in North Carolina. We've had a lot lately. The NAEP test scores came out last week. NAEP is, is sometimes called the nation's report card, and the results sh showed that North Carolina students improved their scores in science knowledge significantly. The percentage of North Carolina fourth graders proficient or better was up six points since 2009, from 30 to 36 percent, which brings us up to the national average. Eighth grade student science scores also went up. Remember, every week you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines, as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the program, we're going to focus today on school funding in North Carolina and the challenges too many counties in our state face when it comes to adequate funding. Education Matters went on the road and visited Snow Hill, North Carolina in Greene County and sat down with Superintendent Dr. Patrick Miller. Take a look. Here in Greene County, we want our children 
uh, to have every available opportunity to, to get a great education and to be able to go on and be very productive citizens for, the, for this great state. And uh, we have to really, really work hard to make every dollar stretch here. And I think we do a good job of that. Uh, but sometimes just the, the lack of resources does not allow us to provide some things that some of the wealthier districts are able to provide. So when you compare uh, one of the wealthier counties in the state, say in Orange County, uh, to a Green County, Orange has a per pupil expenditure that exceeds $4,300. Green is around $700 per student, and if you subtract those two numbers, uh, you'll get around $3,600. $100, multiply that by the number of students in Greene County, 3150, and you'll get a number in the vicinity of $11,500,000, and that's in a place like Greene County, uh, $11.5 million is a lot of money. We receive uh, low wealth uh, money and we receive small county supplemental funding, and between those two funds we get about $3.6 million a year. The scare is that the cutoff to receive small county supplemental funding is 3,200 students. Well, we're at 3,149 as of the 10-day count, so we're 51 students away uh, from beginning to phase out the small county supplemental funding, which over a five-year period would mean a loss of $1.5 million. We, we would love to be able to hire more teachers and more teacher assistants to work directly with the kids. A lot of kids here coming out of a, a background of poverty need extra assistance and we know what these kids need and sometimes we just can't afford what it is that they need to help them be su successful. The free and reduced lunch percentage last year in Greene County Schools uh, in K-5 through was 81%. And uh, this year we don't really have a specific number because we qualify for the community eligibility provision which means that all students in the county now regardless of income receive free breakfast and free lunch. I'm very proud of the teachers and the students in this county. Everybody works really hard uh, and we work really hard for the children so that they can have, like I said, every opportunity to be successful. We think we do a pretty good job with what we've got, but if something was done to address this, this issue at the local level, then we could probably do a whole lot more. Joining us to talk further about the funding issues we just heard about is friend of the program, Ann McCall. Ann uh, is an attorney here in Raleigh with Everett Gaskins and Hancock, and she has a lot of experience uh, in education law matters, education finance issues. So thanks for being here today. Glad to be here. Now, you heard uh, uh, Dr. Miller talk about the, the low wealth uh, funding, the supplemental funding. What is the history there? How, why were those created in the first place? So the low wealth was created back in 1993 with the help of the Public School Forum to address this issue of uh, poor or counties not having the resources that they needed. And so uh, we think of it being a state right to education, and so the state's the one who has the obligation to make it happen. And so the state, as a part of that obligation, created the Low Wealth Fund. And it helps, there, without any question, it, it helps, but it's not enough to address the inequities that we see across the state. Right, I mean, you heard Patrick talking about the, the he just used Orange County as an example, which we often do because it's, it's at the sort of top of the scale. 
But those uh, those gaps still exist, even with a county. I mean, Green's one that gets both, right? So you right. you actually we've actually not only seen that, but seen it grow. That's right. So North Carolina has some things in its favor. We have a taxing system that uh, makes it so that 60 plus percent, 62 percent of the money for public education comes from the state. That's better than in other states around the country, but it's not enough. Part of it is that we simply don't put enough resources into our education system. Uh, our effort as a state, we get an F when we are compared to other states around the country. Um, and then on the equity issue, even though the state puts in more than in some other states, in terms of percentage, the amount of money isn't enough. Right. Now, I'm curious, and you were, you've been involved pretty directly in the Leandro case. We mentioned that a lot, and if you're in education circles, you understand it. The state Supreme Court fa found that we didn't have, um, we weren't meeting our obligation, yet we're still there. I mean, so That's right. So the state Supreme Court has said every child has an equal opportunity to a sound, basic education, no matter where they live. We also know that the state has said that part of their remedial plan is to provide pre-K to every child who is eligible for it. And across the state, we have waiting lists. You can even go onto the websites and it'll say, you aren't entitled to this because there may not be enough funding. That's a failure to meet a mandate. Right. Well, I hope you'll stick around with us because we're gonna talk further um, uh, with our next guest, uh, Philip Price, uh, who is with the uh, Department of Public Instruction when we come back. Great. Now, first we're gonna, before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. In 2013-2014, the 10 North Carolina counties that spent the most per student averaged $2,916. What was the average for the bottom 10 counties? Welcome back to Education Matters. In the first segment, we heard from the superintendent of Greene County and from Ann McCall uh, on various mechanisms to fund counties like Greene. Now we're joined by the state's top finance guy when it comes to public schools in North Carolina, Philip Price, chief financial officer for the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction. Thank you for being here. Well, you're in a role that uh, you've got a pretty big, sort of a bird's eye view of all the school systems across North Carolina. The, um, uh, what you heard from uh, Dr. Miller, uh, who I know you know and know the situation in Green, um, pretty common? Yes, sir, it is. And there's been a lot of factors that have uh, impacted the all the school districts in North Carolina, primarily in decrease in state funding in key categories, um, also some increase in cost for employees, and all those have to be absorbed by the local funds if they're going to continue the services or uh, expand on those or replace the services. So there's been a lot of challenges for the rural lower wealth counties, yes sir. Right, and you mentioned the, uh, as we talked about at the beginning, um, the state is responsible for the majority of, of funding of public schools and certainly for the personnel, uh, but then the local counties, um, and that's where you see those big uh, gaps in terms of what they're able to provide. We actually, we're going to pull up a chart on the screen, uh, something that, that uh, you and I had talked about earlier this week in terms of state funding. Mm -hmm. um, when you see, this is about the amount of money that's available to a county like Green or every county in North Carolina. What do these numbers tell you and what is, it, what is the sort of the on the ground impact for, um, for schools? 
Well, what has happened over the last 10 years is a pretty significant decrease in the support cost available to public schools paid for from the state. You also have a decrease in personnel that are available within a school, within a school building, uh, less teacher assistance, less instructional support, which is your guidance counselors and social workers. So the school districts are either having to pick those costs up locally or they're having to have less services within the school building, less adults to student ratio. Uh, and the same period of time, we've had 100, over 100,000 more students join our public schools. So we have an increase in the student population, less adults per student. And in addition, the cost for an adult in a classroom or in a school building has gone up because there's been, fortunately, some salary increases recently. There's also been a doubling of the retirement contribution, which doubled the cost that was being added. So these costs are not only absorbed with the state funding, which it is covered with the state, but the locals, all their employees have to have that increased cost too, which increases the difficulty for them to be able to offset, especially in these counties that don't, are not able to generate a lot of revenue. Right, so like when you mentioned the fact that we have 100,000 more students, it costs more overall across the state. We've got uh, increasing costs. That's why you get these uh, in a political season like we are in right now, you, you get these sort of things that don't seem to line up. We're spending more money than we ever have before, yet at the same time, these numbers are true, that we are actually don't have enough for certain things like textbooks. Is that why, really? Because we, look, we've got more students and it costs more. Well, there is uh, most of the cost figures that you've been reading about or hearing about it do not include inflationary increases, but uh, the dollars per students has actually gone down from the 2008-9 levels, hasn't gotten back to that level yet. Right. Uh, and most of the cost increases and the budgets have increased uh, substantially, but they are increasing more for the benefits. It costs you more for the same employees, which right. is not helping get more instructional people into the classroom to support the students. And those materials and the instructional materials like textbooks, uh, professional development, things that actually help our teachers to be able to do a better job dealing with the diversity of their students has kind of declined also. And it's very difficult for places like Greene County to be able to make up that difference. Right. Now, Ann, you've done, you've done a lot of work in your, in your litigation practice and other work around sort of disadvantaged students and, and looking at areas like across eastern North Carolina. I mean, the fact is places like that need more resources, um, um, not less. Absolutely. And you know, we know a lot more about serving children who come out of a poverty background. We know that a longer day matters, intensive tutoring helps. And we haven't factored that in into the way we, we budget for education in North Carolina. Um, and when you, even on the personnel issues that Philip has been talking about, you know, we see locals picking up the slack, needing to get those positions in. These counties can't do that. Right, so, so again, we're here in Wake County, this is where we do the show. Um, a, a county like Wake just has a lot more people, so whether it's in central office or at the schools to sort of take care and move some things around. And there's just not as much flexibility. And really, uh, you travel across North Carolina, there's a lot more counties like Green than there are like Wake. That's right, I mean, it, we have 78 counties that are in the low wealth funding formula. 78 out of 100. 78 out of 100. So we do need that kind of help. And when we think about what's a fair system, it's not giving equal money, it's giving the kind of money that's needed for the children in that community. And we're really failing in that way. Right. Well, Philip, what, um, I mean, how does the, um, from, from your vantage point, looking at what the department, I mean, the department's also 
dealt with its own budget cuts. Some of the some of the some of the resources and staff that there are sent out in the field, so to speak, to go help these schools are also reduced. Is that right? Right. We uh, one of the advantages of a Department of Public Instruction is we're able to hire personnel that can that are not available in all the regions of the state, and they primarily do support the lower wealth or the more rural counties. Um, we have had significant budget cuts, which has reduced our ability to, to go out in district and school, district and school transformation, where we go out and we work with teachers in the classroom to help them better understand like how Like to, coaches, people mm -hmm. to go in and can get that and extra support. That has been uh, reduced substantially over the last few years, so we have less people available to go out and work with the school districts, which has had a negative impact on our ability as a department to serve the most needed populations. I mean, so, so to both of you, I, I, the, the, the state Supreme Court has said it's in our Constitution, a sound basic education for every child regardless of where they live. I mean, you can't look at these numbers and, and feel like that we're, we're meeting that obligation in any way. I mean, I mean, do you think we are? Oh, that's a very tricky question on that. <laughs> uh, I think that that is not really my Okay, <laughs> okay, I understand. Well, I'll ask Anne. <laughs> I'm more than willing to say that we aren't meeting that obligation. Right. Um, and especially when you look at these areas that have high poverty, uh, we have a flexible funding system. That's what Judge Manning has said. And he said that was back in 2000, it was constitutionally sufficient that in the sense that we had the structure in place, that we could add where we needed to. What we haven't done is add what we needed to. Right, right. And, and that's why I said the, the, the buckets that you were talking about earlier that we went down about the various resources. I mean, that's where the challenges go. And again, that's really not even a, a question of, of, of low-resource low schools. That's all schools. Right? Yes, it is. I mean, so that's, that's impacting them. Um, I mean, so what, uh, so, I mean, what do you see the, sort of the looking ahead? I mean, do you, do, you, do you see, I mean, set aside the elections, but um, do you think there's a, a more of a recognition um, uh, about the needs or, or less uh, amongst the public? Amongst the public, yeah. uh, the State Board of Education is concentrating on their expansion, and they've identified a need to reestablish uh, the personnel, additional personnel in the classroom, and get more more support to the teachers. So they're looking at professional development, more resources to help them be able to meet the diversified population they're trying to serve, and also more funds to get personnel like nurses, uh, additional instructional support personnel that can work with the students with behavioral problems. I mean, the, the schools have got to deal with a lot of challenges. They do have to deal with a lot of challenges. Well, well, thank you both for being here today. We've got a lot of work to do, but uh, the, both of you are doing a, a great job on behalf of our kids, and we appreciate you spending some time with us today. So stick around when we come back this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we're going to Vance County to meet Superintendent Anthony Jackson. Leadership Spotlight is presented by the Burroughs Welcome Fund, advancing biomedical science by supporting research and education. In our school system, we are in the middle of what we call the Vance Formation here in Vance County Schools. We're challenging them to not only focus on the negative, but also to focus on those things that we do well. Embrace the things that we have to improve on. Those are our challenges. But also learn to celebrate our accomplishments, and then together we move forward. 
we're implementing a huge training protocol for our teachers uh, so that they understand what blended learning looks like in classrooms. That's going to, we know that if our teachers are confident with their curriculum and with the tools for instruction, they're going to get better. Within the last two years, we've been going through so many different professional developments that are, that are geared towards these new programs that he wants to implement, that are geared, that's geared towards our mindset, you know, just working on us mm -hmm. as educators to be the best educators and making the learning that much more rich and mm -hmm. tangible. Exactly. So providing the vehicle to get to where he wants us to go. Mm -hmm. Not just telling us this is what I want, but giving us the opportunities to get all the resources that we need and the proper training to get there. And that has that's paying dividends because we saw our turnover rate go down this year as a result. Our graduation rate this year is the highest in the history of Lance County. We're at 81.9%. Uh, and I, I say to our community that they, that's room to celebrate. Uh, in 2012-13, this community had the lowest graduation rate in the state. Making sure that everybody recognizes the impact of education and what it can do and what it will do to transform not only a school system, not only a school, not only a classroom, but a community, a region, a, a state, and a country requires us all to never ever forget that what we do every day matters for children, it matters for adults who have children in school, who don't have children in school, and it matters for our community. If you know someone who deserves to be recognized, please visit our website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. Each episode of Education Matters ends with a final word. The Public School Forum of North Carolina, the group that I lead, has been studying school finance for more than 20 years. Our work contributed to some of the positive policy changes we discussed today, like the low wealth and small county supplemental funds, policies that do in fact narrow the gap between the haves and the have-nots. The way we fund our schools in North Carolina with a much larger share coming from the state as opposed to relying primarily on local support, like many states do, is actually a strength area at least when its adequate funds are made available from the state. Nationally, the share of total education funding provided by the state government differs. In some states, it's as high as 82%, while in others, it's as low as 29%. Here in North Carolina, about 64%. Other states that rely heavily on local property taxes often have vast inequities, much worse than what we showed today. Poorer communities with less of a property tax base may have higher tax rates, but still raise less funding to support the local school district. What that means is that children that live in low-income communities with the highest needs go to schools with the least resources, the least qualified teachers, and substandard school facilities. But our system does need some attention. Our poorer counties, and spoiler alert, there's more of them than there are counties like Wake and Mecklenburg, cannot close the gap on their own. Green County, the one we open with, has a property tax twice as high as Wake County, but there's just not enough property value there to fully support the children and the schools. The supplemental funds help, but alone they are not stopping the growing chasm between the two North Carolinas. Some will undoubtedly will argue that you can't just throw money at schools, and we aren't suggesting that. But there aren't many real solutions to underfunding than actual funding. 
enough resources to hire and keep great school leaders, outstanding teachers, and to provide safe, healthy learning environments for our children. And study after study shows that providing a great education to children of poverty actually requires more funding to make up for some of the family and community resources that those of us who live in Wake take for granted. The bottom line is children that are born into thriving counties do not share the same experience with other children in North Carolina. That should not be okay. It's an unsustainable model if we expect to grow and prosper as a state. That's it for Education Matters this week. Please come back next week and we'll talk about how North Carolina schools are recovering since Hurricane Matthew. Thanks for watching.